Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with the Intelligent Enterprise, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Move in exciting and new directions. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. I have an interesting quote from a gentleman named Christopher Worley, W-O-R-L-E-Y. He is a professor of strategy and entrepreneurship and the strategy director for the Center of Leadership and Organizational Effectiveness. Wow, that's a long title. At Neoma Business School in France. That's N-E-O-M-A. Let's see what he says. Quote, an examination of hundreds of businesses over 20 years of operations has shown us that rather than digging in their heels, successful companies have a culture of continuous agility. In essence, they have, quote, agility routines, unquote. Interesting quote. Let's see what we have to say about this. So let's take a step back and look at what's going on around us. Come on, the world has changed probably from five minutes ago or five days ago, definitely from five months or five years ago. Neither your old monolithic applications that you customized to meet yesterday's business models, uh uh-uh, they're not going to work, nor generic one-size-fits-all business solutions, none of those can effectively power your organization. We know you either are digital or you're on your digital transformation journey or you're just thinking about it. Don't stand on the sidelines. You have to do it. That's where business is going. So here's a reality check, and it's very interesting because this is the title of our episode today. Stop building the business application pyramid and start building tents instead. That's T-E-N-T-S. We don't want you to be tense. We want you to be intense. Our title today of our show is Business Applications Moving from Pyramid to Tent. And our three panelists, our three experts are going to help us all figure out what in the world this means. Let me tell you briefly who they are and then we'll get started. First up, I'm welcoming back a panelist who hasn't been with us in a long time. We're delighted to have back Paul Canna. He's a partner at Deloitte Consulting LLP. And if you want to Google him, his last name is spelled K-H-A-N-N-A. Welcome back, Paul. Joining him is a newcomer from a company that is very frequently on Game Changers, but he's new. It's Matthew Riches, and he told me I can call him Matt. He is a director of digital business at Agility Works, and we've had several of his colleagues on Game Changers shows recently. And Rounding out the panel is Bill Bowers. He's the GVP of S4HANA Solution Management at SAP SE. Welcome, Bill. Delighted to have the three of you. Now let's go around the table. We're starting with Paul Canna. And Paula sent us a wonderful quote from Milton Berle. Those of you who are not in the U.S., not America-based, and who have not grown up in the era I grew up with won't have a clue who Milton Berle is, B-E-R-L-E. He was born Mendel Berlinger, 1908, lived until 2002. He was an American comedian and actor. He was an entertainer in the golden age of TV. He hosted NBC, that's right, the NBC Network's Texaco Star Theater. He was the first major American TV star known as Uncle Milty and Mr. Television during TV. TV's golden age, and yes, I do remember him. Here's the quote. If opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. Paul Canna, I love the quote. How are you, Paul? Great, thanks. Good to be here. Uh, We're delighted to have you back. I know you're busy traveling all over the world, and I know you're somewhere. We'll find out when we go through the where are you today in a few minutes. But, Paul, how in the world did you find this quote from Milton Berle? Talk to me. And what does it have to do with our topic? (laughs) Well, I think if you've been in the business of transformation as long as I have, comedy is your friend, for sure. Um, I love this quote because I really think it defines the generation we are in. Um, We don't wait for opportunities to come to us anymore. We build doors at unprecedented pace because there's so much good material out there. And I think it's really apt for the conversation we're going to have today around, you know, uh, how do you go from pyramids to tents? Uh, And, you know, we're talking about a lot of tents. Um, that are being put up uh, without, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of these opportunities knocking all the time. So I think it's a great, it's a great quote for what we're talking about today. I do too. But you know what, Paul, I'm going to impose on you to tell us 
what is a pyramid mm. and what is a tent because I don't know and I'm supposed to know. So I want you to educate me and let's let our audience in on this insider terminology. What is it? Well, I think, you know, we always think about pyramids being something that we build from the ground up. It's a monolithic structure that we all believe knows what one looks like, knows the type of material it takes, the type of labor, um, mm-hmm. what it's supposed to represent, et cetera. So we have this preconceived notion of what a pyramid is. Um, and they are very large, gigantuan, complicated, requires a lot of manpower, et cetera. So in the industry, pyramids are talked about as, you know, these, these large imposing structures that, um, you know, take a lot of thought and take a lot of time to build. Um, whereas, you know, we're moving into this era of, of, you know, rapid prototyping, building tents um, that are not always built from the ground up. They're built from different pieces, uh, assembled and just to write the order or just to develop something uh, much more nimble, much more uh, purposeful. Um, so, you know, I think, again, talking about the era we're living in now, where that's why I think we're seeing a lot of these tent structures pop up um, because the the market and people are really thinking in those terms of what are consumable things. And tents are really something easy to people to grasp. You know, it's got, you know, four to six poles. It's got material. It doesn't mm-hmm. take more than one or two people to set up. Uh, sometimes, if you're in my family, sometimes it takes six to eight, but that's another story. <laughs> Thank you very much. I feel so much educated, so much more educated now. I appreciate it. So it's very literal, right, Paul? It's very literal thinking of the structure and relating that to business applications. Okay. I was hoping that's what it was. Thank you so much, Paul. And now let's move around the table a little bit to Matt Riches, a newcomer here. Also another phenomenal quote. The quote is from John Lambie, who passed away this year. I just realized that, Matt, when I looked him up, 1941 to 2018. He was a Scottish, I should say Scottish, football player and manager. He made over 200 appearances for Falkirk and had a successful time with St. Johnstone. After retiring as a player, he had, and this is interesting language, Language probably makes sense to you. He had four spells as manager of Partick Thistle. In his third spell, he guided them to consecutive promotions and entry to the Scottish Premier League in 2002. And I'm assuming that football in this context means soccer. That's what I've been told. He was known, John Lambie, for his eccentricity. He loved to smoke cigars and he was fond of pigeons. That's all I'm going to say. Here is the quote, and this is when what he said when he was told that one of his strikers in soccer had suffered a concussion and woke up and did not know who he was. So here's what John Lambie said. Tell him he's Pele and get him back on. I love the quote. Matt Riches, talk to me. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Very nice to uh, be on the show. Thank you very much. You have to give us a little backgrounder on this one. I think football is soccer, and I, I want you to tell everybody who Pele is, and why don't you relate the quote first, explain it, and then tell us how it relates to our topic about pyramids to tents. Go ahead, Matt. Absolutely. I, I apologize. I'm an archetypical Brit. So, yes, football <laughs> is soccer, or as, as we like to say, soccer is football. Um, and uh, to be fair, this is fairly obscure, even for somebody in the UK. So this is the, the Scottish <laughs> League, and anybody who's Scottish is listening, I, I don't mean to do them a disservice, but Partick Thistle are not a particularly well-known team. Um, but as, as you say, um, Pelé was one of the greatest uh, players ever, Brazilian. And what I loved about this point was, first of all, it's a, a bit of humour. Uh, and secondly, it was about somebody who was very eccentric. He was an eccentric. He was he was plain speaking, like you said. He was he was he was very much his own man. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he, I think uh, exclusive lo- loving, pigeon fancying, uh, all those sorts of things. Uh, but he was loved. You know, he was he was truly loved by his teams. He was a, you know he was quite a uh, uh, a man that uh, there's one example where he when they won the league and he sent all the fans out. He didn't go out, and the whole team and the squad were cheering for him. And I think the reason I picked this was because there is a lot of talk, and I think um, what has been said already, I think what Paul said, is, is exactly the right thing that we should be talking about in terms of, you know, we, we are building things that are new. But one of the things that I wanted to bring up from this quote is there is still a lot that we've already learned, a lot that people know that's, that's, that's truly valid. You know, being a good leader, doing the, the, the right things correctly are still as important as ever. 
And as we go through the discussion, I think that one of the difficulties about building a tent is somebody's got to decide that that's what needs to be built and they've got to have the ambition and the strength of personality to actually build a tent and not inadvertently call a pyramid a tent. So it really is. It really is kind of the, the human dimension to all this, that there's a lot of buzzwords, a lot of kind of uh, platitudes that, that get put around. But at, at the end of it, very very little has changed, which is to be successful, you need the drive, determination. Yes, you have to have the new ideas, but you have to be singly, singularly minded and you have to be a good leader and you have to bring people with you. Thank you. I learned so much from that, Matt. Very, very interesting. I'm, I was thinking if, uh, wondering if a, a spin on the quote is that almost you have to fake it till you make it when you're going through your digital transformation journey. Am I off base on that one too? Have the confidence, have the authenticity and plow through because you got to get there, get back on, on the, on the field, if you will. Is there any, anything of that in there as well? Yeah, 100%. I think one of the things that, um, that, that in, terms of, in, in terms of sort of what we're doing at the moment and, and, and changing business and digital, there's a lot of unknowns. But what you've got to do is you, you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to have a bit of humor. You've got to, you've got to make the most of the situation. And, and if you are going to lead people and people are going to come along the journey with you, you sometimes do need to, well, I'm not going to say bend the truth, but you do need to be pragmatic. You do have to be practical in certain situations because there will be situations that people aren't used to. You know, this hasn't been done for the last 30 years. This is a new thing, and it, we're all learning as we go along. But having mm-hmm. the strength of will and the, the desire to make it happen and, and you know, the humor of making things happen is, is going to be very important for many people's journey. Thank you very much, Matt. Pleasure to have you on. Looking forward to a lot more from you during the show. And now let me go around the table. I have to say to my three panelists, you all picked extraordinarily interesting quotes. And Bill Bowers, you belong in that club because Bill has sent us a quote from The Wizard of Oz 1939 film. And Dorothy, of course, was portrayed by the wonderful late, great Judy Garland. But what's interesting, Bill, is when I Googled the quote, and I'll read it in a moment, there are many variations that are not correct. You sent me the exact one that comes from the movie. I was very impressed with that because I get a lot of permutations on quotes, Bill. Uh, Anybody who doesn't know The Wizard of Oz, 1939 musical film about a young Kansas girl cast into a fantasy world. Her efforts to return home are aided by three unusual companions, each with a quest of his own. And let's see, it was based on the novel The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. And what's interesting, Bill, I don't know if you know this, and I'll read the quote in a second, is the line I'm about to read, and there's a line that goes after it, is ranked number four in the American Film Institute's list of the top 100 movie quotations in American cinema. Did you know that, Bill, that that's how how famous this is? I did not. There you go. So let me read it. Let me read it, and the quote is, I'm going to read the whole quote with the part after it. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. We must be over the rainbow. Bill Bowers, officially welcome, and thank you for an absolutely lovely quote. How are you, Bill? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for uh, thank you allowing so me much. to be on your program. Oh, delighted. Talk to me about the quote. We've had such interesting quotes already from your two co-panelists. and uh, The three of you just went really, really extraordinary on the quotes, and I'm, I'm very impressed and pleased. We love whimsical quotes. So what in the world does this have to do with pyramids and tents and digital and business applications? Bill, tell me. Okay. Well, it's two things. One, the current r- reality, the rate of pace, uh, the change of uh, pace that we're seeing. If you look at the Industrial Revolution, we saw over 250 years exponential growth, but that took 250 years. If you look right now at the digital revolution, we're seeing that similar growth in 10 to 15 years. So when we talk about rate of change and pace of change, it's, 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 it's totally uh, different than what we've seen in the past. I think the other thing when we talk about the business applications needs, the fundamental uh, things that companies are looking for as they build these tents uh, is really, really real time, right? So we're, we're creating so much data We've got to have the capabilities in these tents to process huge amounts of data. What do we need that data to do to, to drive insights to action so, we, so that we can make decisions that, that help us run our businesses better? Uh, the other thing is, is we need intelligence in these tents. We need to be able mm-hmm. to automate a lot of the things that consume uh, time from our, our daily uh, work so that we can do higher value work. And we need it to be simple. Uh, we need 
our applications to be easy to use. Uh, we want to work the same way we play. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard that stated as in terms of the consumerization of IT. Do you agree with that, Bill, that people come to work, they want what they have in their regular, everyday consumer, real people lives to be how they process and do their jobs at work? Agree with that? Completely agree with that. Thank you very much. You don't have to agree with me because I'm the host. I want, I want to tell our listeners around the world that part of the, when I prep my guests and everybody gets a prep call, I tell them you don't have to agree with each other, but I never say you don't have to agree with me. So there you go, Bill. I have had, <laughs> I have had panelists tell me, no, Bonnie, you're completely wrong and, and it's welcome. It's appreciated. Thank you, Bill. Again, the three of you pick such wonderful quotes, all off the, the normal quote path, and I really appreciate it. You can tell I'm excited. Let's find out a little bit more about our three esteemed panelists, starting with Paul Canna at Deloitte. Paul, three questions. Number one, where in the world are you today? Country, city, state, town, or village will be fine. And then we want to know what's your favorite drink that powers you to do what you do? And number three, tell us what you do at Deloitte. What Catch us up to what your role is. Go ahead, Paul. So I am sitting in a hallway in the Hamburg, Germany airport, uh, trying to stay in a quiet spot. So that's where I am today. I just came out of uh, a client discussion regarding digital transformation, so really good timing. Um, so what's in, my, what's in my drink today? Well, some of you may know that I have relocated to Munich, Germany as of last year. So I've had a chance to really um, throw myself into the German culture. And, you know, we just wrapped up Oktoberfest, so... So in many uh-huh. cases, Bonnie, I still have a lot of beer in my system. <laughs> um, so I, I think um, a funny thing is I thought I was a really fairly good beer drinker before I got uh-huh. here. But here in Germany, they kind of measure your ability to consume large amounts of beer regardless of your bladder size. So, so the good news is I think I've managed to work up my, my, my tolerance levels. <laughs> the bad news is I, I got another eight pounds to go before I get back to pre-October size, uh, uh, weight size here. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you for the colorful description. We really appreciate it. And, and what do you do when you're not busy competing in Oktoberfest? <clears throat> <laughs> well, you know, I spend a lot of time, uh, as you can imagine, there's a lot of talk about digital transformation, being more digital, and what does that mean, and how do you take monolithic, you know, pyramid-like structures mm-hmm. and move them to be much more nimble, much more digital, really taking advantage of all the technologies out there. So I spend a lot of time with clients talking about, you know, what, what are other organizations doing? What are progressive uh, startups doing around being much more digital? How, how is it that the Ubers, the Airbnb, some of these brand new upstarts are taking away market share within, you know, six to nine months? It's all because they've been able to build a lot of tents and in a short amount of time and experimenting, et cetera. So I spend a lot of time with organizations talking about digital strategies. Um, I sit in human capital, which also talks about the people aspect of moving um, products faster and making brands much more uh, sticky uh, with mm-hmm. the leverage of people and how people are involved in, in moving uh, uh, you know, the ball forward, as you will, in digital technology. So. Um, I'm having a great time doing it, as as you can imagine. There's just a lot of there's a lot of excitement about it, but there's also a lot of trepidation around um, how do you do this and how do you be successful doing it? How do you not fail? Um, and uh, I spend a lot of my time, um, you know, having these deep discussions and implementing these types of strategies. Thank you very much, Paul. Interesting. I'm, I'm just looking at Matt's quote again. Tell him he's Pele and get him back on. And I think that's probably what you have to tell a lot of companies. It's going to be okay. You will be over the rainbow. It's worth the trip. And you're not in Kansas anymore. I think we can make a whole story out of the quotes. Thank you, Paul. Matt Riches, I have just summoned you by speaking about you, Matt. We'd love to know where in the world are you today? Number two, what's your favorite drink in the whole world? And what do you do at Agility Works? Matt Riches, go ahead. First of all, I should have I should have read the brief better because if I'd known you were going to ask me that first question, I wouldn't be sitting in a car park in Coventry in the middle of England. <laughs> it is hard to think of a less glamorous location. Um, Paul gets Paul gets an, an airport in Hamburg, and I get a car park in Coventry. Um, but sim- 
similar to Paul, I'm uh, uh, in between clients at the moment. I'm just about to go to Wales uh, and, and the same sort of thing. So uh, I, I do very similar task to Paul, really. Uh, talk to people about digital transformation, the practical side of digital transformation. Um, uh, I've realized I've gone straight from question one to question three, so I will hop back. That's fine. To uh, in terms of my, well, in terms of what I'm doing at the moment, it, it's it's a latte, um, but I'll be honest, it's it's a cup of shame, it's it's a cup of defeat. Uh, but on Monday uh, last week, I was uh, decided to go on a diet, giving up caffeine and sugar, and it has lasted till today. So uh, <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit sorry for myself. I put, I put it down to the stress of being on this radio show. So in it, Donny, I'm, I'm blaming you. Don't you dare! Um, <laughs> Don't you dare! I'm sorry, but I've got to blame somebody. I, I, it can't be me. Okay, God. I can take it. I can take it. It's fine. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> and, and in terms of what I do, as I said, a similar sort of thing to Paul. Um, a few years ago, I started the uh, SFOL practice at Agility Works, and far more, I'm sure, uh, looks and judgment. Uh, it's gone better than we could have imagined. We've really broadened out. We. we um, we really try and do things differently. You know, we talk to our clients about doing things differently, yet the consulting business remains largely the same as it did 10 and 20 years ago. So we really try at Agility Works to take a, a different approach to things. And as part of that, it, it's looking at the sort of change aspect of seeing why big ERP projects fail, you know, really kind of dealing with both the technological aspect, but also the people change transformation aspect, you know, finding out why, you know, sometimes the, the, the biggest issue in any transformation is, is the CXOs, you know, the, 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 the kind of vision, the, the limits they set on the project often mean that unfortunately the, the project is doomed before it started. So I'm, I'm in a really fortunate position and I, I get to do something I love and, and talk to lots of really interesting people and um, my boss is pretty good and, uh, and uh, doesn't look at my expenses too deeply. <laughs> All I can say is delightful. Thank you, Matt. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I gr- graciously accept the blame for, for the stress that took you off of your non-sugar, non-caffeine diet and welcome back to the real world. That's all I have to say. And bravo to the car park. Every location is interesting to us. Doesn't have to be something fancy like an airport, so it's fine. Bill Bowers, join the party, please. Bill, no competition here. Where are you? What do you love to drink? You can blame me for something, too, if you want to and bill what do you do <clears throat> all righty i'm in the uh, beautiful waldorf germany and sap headquarters and uh, i am drinking my own green tea concoction it's a Ooh. combination of gunpowder green tea actually from japan and uh, a mixture of mint and lemon balm so it's uh, from my garden actually it's actually it's definitely an acquired taste i assure you I, I have to read just for a second here. Gunpowder tea is a form of Chinese tea in which each leaf has been rolled into a small round pellet. Its English name <laughs> comes from its resemblance to grains of gunpowder. Powder. The rolling method of shaping tea is most often either applied to g- dried green tea or oolong tea. Is that the right one? You got it. Mine okay. happens to come from Japan, not China, but you got it. Interesting. Okay. Flavor varies according to the growing location of the tea used for production, and it the origin is Zhangjiang province in China and others. Okay. Very interesting. So go ahead and tell me more, Bill. Yeah. So I, I'm part of the S4HANA solution management team. What I do is I spend time working with companies to understand uh, how they can transform their business starting with S4. Uh, which is um, our, we call it our digital core, which helps you manage your, your business. So manage all of your uh, people, your, your finances, et cetera. And I basically help them understand why they need to do it, what's the business benefit, and how they go about it, um, especially those customers that are existing customers at SAP. I explain how they uh, get moved to our new um, uh, uh, digital core of what we call our intelligent enterprise. And I have the luxury of spending time in many airports around the globe, just like my friend's uh, friend Paul and Matt on the phone. Thank you very much. Pleasure to get to know you. I'm sitting here in rainy Durham, North Carolina, 
uh, in the Raleigh-Durham Triangle area, and I am not allowed to go near caffeine. Matt, I'm not allowed to have caffeine on radio show days, and you know why. So all I have is cool, clear water, and I just bought an amazing new refrigerator over the weekend. It came very late yesterday afternoon, and for the first time, I have water and ice in the door of the refrigerator. It's one of those, everybody has had one except me. Now I have one. So instead of using my Brita filter pitcher, I now get water off the door of my refrigerator, which is a lot of fun. It's a four-door French door refrigerator, and the lower right-hand compartment can be changed. It's called a flex zone. It can be changed from refrigerator to freezer and back and forth in case I have some kind of a party and I either need more frozen or more unfrozen. So I'm, you're all invited. We'll have a party and see if that part of the refrigerator works. <laughs> so all I'm going to say is we're speaking about a very serious topic, but we have four very charming guests on today. We have Paul Canna at Deloitte, Matt Riches at Agility Works, and Bill Bowers at SAP. We're going to take a very quick break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Shout out to Cecilia Morton at SAP for putting together this extraordinary panel. Cecilia, we are off to a great start. And our topic is business applications moving from pyramid to tent. Yes, we're talking about the intelligent enterprise. We're talking about digital transformation. We're talking about companies on their digital journey. You can't sit on, stand on the sidelines anymore. You've got to move your company ahead. We have a lot more to talk about with my panelists, and we'll be right back in 90 seconds. Count them along with us. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back. Aaron out. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Business is at a technological crossroads. The future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated, ongoing change. Many companies have been slow to adopt new technologies and capabilities. This is resulting in these organizations falling behind in delivering what their customers need. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the intelligent enterprise can change businesses and lead to a better future for everyone. Changing the game with the intelligent enterprise is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You're listening to Changing the Game with the Intelligent Enterprise, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with the Intelligent Enterprise. Yes, indeed, and that's exactly what we're trying to help companies around the world do, change the game with the intelligent enterprise. Speaking today with Paul Kanna, K-H-A-N-N-A at Deloitte, Matt Riches, you can spell that at Agility Works, and Bill Bowers at SAP. Yes, you can spell those names. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and our topic today is business applications moving from pyramid to tent. We've already had a really good explanation of what that means and implies from our panelists, and now it's time for our formal roundtable to begin. Here is some Something very interesting Paul Canna told me before the show. I'm just going to read a little bit, and then Paul's going to open it up and tell us what it means, and then we will invite Matt and then Bill to chime in and see what they have to say, agree or disagree. So Paul says, fear is such an obstacle for innovation. There's often this notion that my idea is dumb. No one's going to want to do this. It takes too much money. I should just go with the flow. I'm not creative enough. <gasps> oh, my. I'm going to stop right there. That's quite a quite a, a confession there. So, Paul Canna, fear is such an obstacle for innovation. Please tell us how it applies to our topic. Yeah, you know, um, as uh, Matt and I and others discussed earlier, we have a lot of opportunities to talk to organizations that are really looking to, you know, dismantle some of these pyramids, right? And looking at, you know, hey, I'm hiring all these millennials and they've come up with all these kind of great key ideas that, you know, they just don't understand what and things are just too complex. I didn't build it, so therefore I don't know, you know, where the bodies are buried in this, so I don't want to touch it, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. And so we saw a lot of fear. Um, in, 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 and it's really unfortunate given where we see a lot of technology. So if you can imagine... I don't know if you can if you can imagine in your head, you know, the next Y axis where innovation 
uh, along the top and time along the bottom. You know, technology, um, as Matt said, has exploded, right? It's, you know. Uh, Matt Riches, Agility Works. Let's go with what we just started to speak with Paul about. Fear is such an obstacle for innovation. Agree or disagree, Matt? Uh, I agree, but I think fear is there for a reason. I think sometimes it's too easy to hmm. sort of say that, you know, people just need to be brave and they need to get, you know, on with it. And I do agree. I agree that it's a really difficult time for businesses generally because, yes, the, you know, the difference between the haves and have not when it comes to sort of digital technology and digital capability is vast. But if you're talking ERP implementations, the truth is that most ERP implementations that have been done over the last sort of 10, 15 years often don't, are often hard, they're often difficult, they often cost people time, money, jobs. And so the fear is rational. And I think what needs to be done, and I think one of the reasons of why this is a really important topic is by reducing fear, by showing people how they can standardize, how they can remove the risks associated with building a tent rather than a pyramid, it actually intelligently reduces the fear in people's eyes. So fear you know, fear isn't there because people are stupid. Fear is there because, based on everything that we've done up to this point in time, it is a rational response to what's gone before. So I do agree that it is fear. I do agree that that fear needs to be overcome. But I also think it's really important that for, for partners and for organizations who are helping to facilitate this change, that that things are done differently. I think like the, the quote that was made right at the start by, you know, by Paul, I think it's really important that things are done differently so that that legitimate fear can be removed because without that fear, and I think this is what Paul was getting at, without that fear, you can't create a tent. A tent is not a pyramid. It looks vastly different. It, it, it needs a completely different set of skills to build a completely different ethos. It has to run right through the organization. And to get that change is a big thing. To sponsor that change is a big thing. And people are putting a lot of reputations on the line. Now, the people who are going to be making these decisions at the end of the day are people who have got to where they've got to by following their instincts, by utilizing what they've already learned and abandoning that and it is abandoning that, will need help and support and convincing from, from people like myself and the other, other members of this panel. Thank you very much, Matt. I know we have Paul back. Paul, we're chatting about your topic, so let me continue around the table. Bill Bowers, love to get your thoughts, agree or disagree with what Paul introduced and or what Matt commented. Go ahead, Bill. Yes, I, I agree both with Paul and Matt. I think fear is is good. Basically, what we've done over the last few years is created what I call a bunch of drug addicts. And what I mean by that is we told companies that their businesses were totally unique and they needed to customize all of their business processes. So that we basically sold them the perfect ERP solution and they spent a lot of time and money uh, creating a lot of customizations that they only used about probably at most 20 to 30% of, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we've got to do is help people uh, that fear puts the... um, understanding that they don't need to repeat the past and they need to do something different this time to make uh, their uh, solutions more nimble, more agile so that they can drive their businesses better. So I think fear is definitely a great motivator to to Mm -hmm. focus on what they need to do to to, uh, drive the future. As long as it's not a paralyzer, right, Bill? Yeah, exactly. There you go. Thank you. I remember somebody told me years ago when I was taking uh, classical piano lessons when I was very little, and somebody said to me, it's good to be nervous when you go to a recital because that means you're on your game, your energy is flowing, you're in the moment, you're paying attention, but then the other side is you don't want to be paralyzed by fear to the point where you can't even sit down and play. But I digress. Paul, we have you back. You want to briefly comment on what you heard from the other two because I'm ready to move on to another topic from Matt. Go ahead, Paul. No, I think, you know, uh, what I would just add to everything, you know, so as I, as I talk to many of our clients, I said, I give them a couple of tips, right? Um, you know, there, there really is no innovation without risk. And, and I think that is something that most organizations need to understand that you have to let the, um, you have to let the path reveal itself in terms of, of change, right? Um, and that starts with the, diff- the types of people that you're bringing in the organization. So I do encourage organizations to look at, recruiting those, those types that are entrepreneurial in nature, right? Not potentially in operations, but people who think a little bit from a perspective of what is a consumer really going to get out of, uh, out of this? Why, why does it matter 
that my cost center doesn't equal eight digits long or six digits long. What is the real issue that we're trying to uh, solve? Um, and, you know, and I've seen a lot of organizations now, just to get around the, the, the issue of fear, is to start founder and failure awards. Uh, re- reward failure. Reward failure from our perspective of you went out there and did something a little different um, and, you know, we let the path um, go into a, a, a place where we didn't expect. And I think that's something where I, I, some, one of my clients said it perfectly. She said, you know, we let a thousand small flowers bloom. And that really, really helped the organization get, um, you know, into this innovation mindset um, because it wasn't about trying to find the unicorn. You don't go from zero to unicorn overnight. You really do need, mm-hmm. um, you know, it happens iteratively. And I think that's what one of the things I took away from my, a lot of my discussion with these clients around their ability to find those small, those, those flowers and let them bloom. Thank you. Very nice, uh, very nice metaphor there. I appreciate it, Paul. Let's move on, Matt. I, I think we've touched this a little bit. I'm hearing a little bit of an echo on my voice, Aaron. I don't know if we can fix that. Uh, Matt, I'm looking at your notes here, and there, there's something that's very interesting. You say a digital ERP will not make you Amazon. It won't transform your business into Amazon, Uber, or Netflix. You need to have the requisite business vision, ambition, and drive. And I think that might just be a little bit of a segue from what we were talking about, fear. So, Matt, you want to just give us a little commentary here on vision, ambition, and drive? Whose? Where does it come from? Is it C-suite? Is it somebody in the line? Who who has to have that? How strong does it have to be to get you from pyramid to tent? Matt? I think it's, it's, um, I was going to say it's a really good point. I said it, so I shouldn't really say that. Um, <laughs> I think it's, uh, it, it, it's probably stating the obvious, but from my experience, um, there's a difference between what is sold and what is implemented. And the difference is, going back to the age-old issues, that effectively to, to really, really transform is a, is a difficult thing to do. You know, it is a whole cultural thing through an organization. And organizations have silos, and silos, by their very nature, are very difficult to knock down. You know, departments mm-hmm. don't talk to other departments. People work in the same way as they've always worked. And I think two things, really. First of all, Knocking those silos down isn't an easy task and needs effort and it, it needs sponsorship and it needs to come right from the highest level. And it can't be a, a, a five-minute thing. You know, implementation, whatever one says, a decent-sized organization, even if they're moving to something like, you know, S1 Cloud or, or a SaaS model, really still needs a lot of, of change, a lot of change management. And personally, in my view, a lot of the change management methodology practices are a little bit archaic. You know, I don't think that they necessarily um, work in, in, in the way that they need to work nowadays. So trying to get people of a senior level to really not only buy into it for five minutes, but really make it make the success of the transformation absolutely pivotal to every single person in their organization. And that means changing bonuses. It means getting rid of other initiatives that take Mm. time away from this kind of transformation. I I think that is absolutely pivotal. And and the purpose about my quote is that in terms of what will make you successful, that is the thing that will make you successful. The absolute drive and focus from a very senior level driven all the way through the business. It isn't the implementation of S4 isn't implementation of any ERP system or business application system. All that system will do is give you the potential that you can transform if you've got the right mindset. And, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, if, if I was running a transformation and you give me a choice between existing software and the right mindset or new software mm-hmm. and existing mindset, I would take the new mindset every single time because that's where the transformation will succeed or it will die. The, the software is important, but it can only ever support the drive and determination and the vision, really important, the vision of an organization. And, and really briefly, the reason I mentioned Amazon is if you fundamentally look at Amazon, one of the main reasons that they're successful is their, is, is their vision. And it's a very unsexy vision. You know, it really is about delivering things quicker. So in, mm-hmm. all the, in all the kind of things that we associate Amazon to and the fact that they're taking over the world, one of the things they really got got on board very quickly was that people will pay more if they can have it sooner. And it's yes. a very simple, very crystal clear vision that has been driven throughout the organization and now they have the technology to support it. 
Thank you. Very interesting. We've added a very important human element to this conversation. Bill Bowers, love to know, agree or disagree with what Matt has shared with us with a great deal of passion and energy. What do you think, Bill Bowers? Yeah, the, the leadership and the strategy and vision is paramount. You know, I work with a lot of customers that say we really don't see the problem of why we need to move to an intelligent enterprise, why we need to change our digital core. And, you know, the fact is, is that I, I find that as a direct um, problem with the leadership, because if you look at the rate of change, you look at where businesses are going through, you look at how many unicorns are coming and recreating business models left and right, for a company to say, and, and, and I'm even seeing, you know, 60, 70% of the companies that I'm working with saying this, to say that we don't have a need for change is mm-hmm. basically a failure of the leadership to define what that strategy and vision is. Um, and really get people gravitating around the urgency and, and need for change. So I, I, Bill, do, um, do you think there's fear in there that keeps them, they're denying, they're change deniers, basically. Do you think there's fear? We went back to our fear statement from Paul Canna that uh, fear is an obstacle for innovation. Do you think they're just afraid, or are they just in denial that they have to change, or both? Uh, I think it's both of those and complacency. Believe it or mm-hmm. not, I, I think there's still a level of complacency with companies that, you know, maybe not feeling any pain, may feel yeah. like everything is going well. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's all three of those. And, you know, it, it differs in percentage-wise on the companies you're working with. Thank you. And Paul, funny, can if I, I may? I, I, yes, please. Go. I'd, just like to, I'd like to say it a little differently. I think, you know, please. a lot of organizations uh, are trained to be perfect. You know, and we, as we say, perfect is the eagle of let's just get started. And, mm-hmm. you know, as Matt said about the Amazon example, um, I don't think they went out thinking they were going to have this broad strategy. They really thought about building the roof first. What was they trying to solve? Um, and, and I think that's, that's a key difference that we're seeing now. We're looking at, you know, find the problem, constraint to solving the problem, and assemble a small team, you know, to get it done. So I've, I've talked to a lot of clients about, you know, take, take the brand approach. Don't necessarily start with, a perfect or a overarching strategy. You know, look at it from these bite-sized, consumable ways that we typically look at things. And I think that's one way to start, you know, looking at this and helping organizations really think differently about it. Is not take the oh, we have to talk, we have to start with the, the roof, uh, we have to start with the basement, then we got to build the columns and the mm-hmm. scaffolding, then we build the roof. Um, what we've learned in the last few years, you know, that you, the model can be turned upside down because technology is much more available. The innovation is much more accessible. Um, it's just taking that type of leadership to go out and start, you know, experimenting. Thank you very much, Paul. I was just about to call on you. Your timing was absolutely perfect. Matt, quickly, I, I want to move on to something from Bill's list, but Matt, anything you want to say about what your two co-panelists shared on your topic? Matt Riches? Good. Just very quickly, I completely agree with what Paul said. I think I'll be fairly realistic about why uh, senior leaders are in this position because most most people are in this position exactly because they've not been innovative. You know, most people, the broad generalization, but, you know, throughout education, throughout early life, you know, people who can follow the rules, who cannot do things that are stupid and, and out there, often that is what, attracts people in, in, into senior leadership positions. So actually asking somebody who has spent many, many years of their life being sober, being sensible, doing things correctly, all of a sudden to be a completely different character type is very difficult. And I think that, you know, both as, as, as Paul said and as Bill said, that, that's why some management just can't get it. It, it, is, it is just that it's not in their uh, capabilities, not in their skill set. I think it's a really interesting dichotomy at the moment between leaders who... I breed a culture within their organization for those people who, you know, have an idea. You know, the idea in a, it may be good, it may be bad, but realistic, realistically, it's not the idea that's important for a business. It is how that business reacts to the idea, and some will nurture it, and some will throw it out and laugh at it. And that's, that's a real important thing for me. 
Thank you, Matt, very much. Bill Bowers, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to move on to, I have two, two statements from you, Bill. Uh, yeah, we have a couple minutes before we go to our predictions round. I'm watching the clock carefully here. Bill, you say, I'm just going to put this on the table and leave it, and then I'll go to where I really want you to talk about. You say the greatest risk to humanity is not machines that think, but humans that don't. Just let's let that sit on the table. <clears throat> I think we've talked about that already, but it was wonderfully stated by you. But here's what you said that I'm fascinated by. You say, today's science fiction is tomorrow's science fact. Bill Bowers, pyramids to tents. Why don't you expand this for us, please? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if you look at what I meant by the, the today's science fiction is tomorrow's facts, if you look at some of just examples of that, right, the by 2020, the average person will have more conversations with bots than they do with their spouse. Uh, if you look by 2030, organs will mm. be biologically 3D printed on demand, right? Mm. So what does this mean for companies? Why is this important? Companies not only need to think outside of the box, they actually need to throw away the box. But, because what they really need to be thinking about is how to make the impossible possible. And that really goes back to the, those leaders and those leaders of those companies need to you know, make sure that they don't uh, repeat some of the uh, things we've already seen from the past, right? Kodak, Kodak Blockbuster, et cetera. We've all heard the stories. And, and what they have to do is look at, um, you know, where do they, how do they drive also not only the strategy, but how do they drive the change management within their companies so that they make the right investments in training and upskill of their workforce and they also make the right investments in, you know, the, the digital uh, technologies to take them forward. Uh, when you look at, you know, why is this um, a risk, uh, or, or excuse me, you know, why, why is the, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Your, your second point was on, on the... Uh, um, we were talking about science fiction. We were talking about the greatest risk to humanity is not machines that think, but humans that don't. Anything yeah, in there? And, and, and yeah, because if you look at t- today and all the the changes that the 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 improve or the um, industrial revolution brought us, it, it brought a huge um, improvement in the social well-being of people. But it also brought a lot of issues. It brought a lot of issues of overpopulation, um, and 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 different types of issues. And and what we need to do is we need to think differently in how we leverage this digital revolution to actually solve some of those problems that were introduced by the industrial revolutions. And and we need to take uh, uh, capabilities that we're driving as a company and drive uh, improvements in our business leveraging this this um, these new technologies. And but we need to have them be. Um, business outcome focused, and, and also they need to be purpose driven. So we need to think about as we're, you know, really uh, growing and, and, and improving our businesses, how is that really addressing some of these world's uh, issues that were created in the, in the first, um, in the industrial uh, revolution. So I think as, as we move forward in the digital uh, revolution, we need to think about, you know, those um, things. And it's, it's not going to be the, the, fact that um, machines are smart, uh, smarter than humans, it's going to be the, the fact that we don't think about what we do with the time that the machines gave us by automating some of our work, and it's going to be due to the fact that we didn't think about how best to apply this new automation power and machine power to solve you know, for the good and not for the bad, if you will. Thank you very much, Bill. Appreciate that. You know what, gentlemen? <clears throat> I'm clearing my throat. Sorry. We're at the point of the show where we're ready for our crystal ball predictions, and I'm watching the clock closely. So I'm going to tell you what. Paul Canna, Deloitte, I'll give you 60 seconds. You have an option. Actually, 90 seconds. You have an option of and or replying to what Bill just said or just giving a straight prediction on, on what's going to happen with moving from pyramid to tent between now and, let's say, 2025. So I'm just going to say crystal ball predictions. Paul Canna, you're up. 90 seconds. Go. Well, I just want to quickly go back with Bill was saying, and there's some a really famous uh, Lucille Ball video of, and if you guys don't know who Lucille Ball, look it up. But it's essentially her and her friend uh, working at a chocolate factory, and their oh, yeah. their their job is with chocolates in a box, right? And they say, oh, mm-hmm. this job is so easy, you know, why don't you speed up the machine because we can keep up? And so the boss is pretty impressed. He speeds up the machine, and lo and behold, Lucille Ball and her friend are actually getting quite overwhelmed with the speed of the machine, that they're doing their best, and the boss thinks they're doing a great job, so he speeds up the machine even faster. Well, 
because they don't want to look stupid and they don't want to look like they're, they can't keep up and, against the machine, they start stuffing chocolates down their shirts and into their dresses, et cetera, just to kind of, you know, give this appearance that this is working. And to me, this is exactly what's wrong with our, with our thinking today in our business, where we think just speeding things up means it's innovative. And that's not always the case, right? Um, and I think, as Bill said, you know, we have to start thinking about how to leverage this technology, not to speed up the machine, but wondering, you know, what is our role in developing more intelligent services uh, as part of what we do in the value chain. So, I just thought that was just perfect what Bill just talked about, and I just thought about that story real quick, Bonnie. Um, Thank you. Regarding predictions, uh, I do think you know we're going to be at a point where we're talking about too much innovation. You know, how do you how do you now take all those great ideas and really make sense of it all, et cetera? Because technology is uh, accelerating, and we are going to be talking about you know how many tents um, you know really uh, really add value versus not adding value, and wh- when do we get there? Um, so I think it's like anything, innovation is great, but we have to, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I think in five years from now, we'll be talking about, you know, how to really leverage uh, AI and some of these other technologies around the kind of tents we should be building versus the sure volume that we're seeing today. Thank you, Paul. I have to move to Matt, but you're talking about the job switching episode on I Love Lucy from 1952. Two minutes to go. Matt Riches, I can give you 45 seconds predictions. Go fast. Go. Um, uh, right. Uh, I, I think, to be honest, this is going to be a bit. This is going to be a bit depressing. I think that in five years' time, we will still be having similar conversations to the ones we're having now. I think there will be a lot of people who get it, but there will still be people who don't. And I really think that what Bill said was really interesting. The, the kind of use of what, what a lot of the clients I do is, is look at how you are reducing cost, which means generally reducing the workforce. I think understanding how you use uh, innovative technology, not just from a business perspective, but more okay. so from a social perspective, is going to be really important in the next five to ten years. Thank you very much. Bill Bowers, 30 seconds. Predict, please. Yeah, I think we'll see 50 years of growth over the next five years, and I think that companies, winning companies will realize that they need to build a strong digital core tent as the foundation, not a pyramid, for all of the edge tents they've been building over the last few years to bring it all together to drive impact. Thank you, Bill. I really appreciate that. Sorry to rush you. I want to thank our three three panelists. We have 30 seconds to go. Paul Canna, Deloitte, pleasure to have you back. Matt Riches, so glad to meet you. And Bill, I think you've been on before, and I'm just going to say welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you to Aaron at World Talk Radio. We're on the Influencers Channel. And thank you to Cecilia Morton at SAP for putting together a wonderful topic, Cecilia. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Paul Canna at Deloitte just like Matt Riches at Agility Works, and just like Bill Bowers at SAP. Signing off for now. Have a great day. Go out and change the world. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with the Intelligent Enterprise, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Mondays on the Influencers Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.